Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, cretins. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jenny Palmer. Yeah. How are you feeling? People, people, I'm, I'm feeling better. I, my, uh, my head seemed to drain overnight, and at one point, um, my wife got disgusted and left the room. So I think she slept on the couch the rest of the night. So yeah, it was. Uh, my head was clearing, and today I went and fenced, and it seemed to be okay. So yeah. Hopefully, I won't lose my voice during the podcast. Yeah. So you were you're swinging your sword around, and you, it felt good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Trying to you know serenade her a little bit. <laughs> serenade her a little bit. Are you yeah. talking about your wife? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, oh, that sword fencing. Right. I said fencing, didn't I? <laughs> Guess my head's still stuffed up. When, what do you do? Do you do uh, foil, rapier, epé? Uh, ep- epé, yeah. Epe? Ah, I enjoy yeah. the epé. Mm-hmm. It's where the full body is is all valid target. Yeah, you yeah. From the toe to the tip of the nose, all valid. Yeah, I, I take my kids uh, with me, and, and we all, all three of, or all four of us, uh, have a group lesson. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when we're done with the, like, the drills, the instructor has us all, you know, fence each other in, in bouts. And, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, <laughs> I, I got a really good hit on my, my daughter. <laughs> Just hit her right in the Pierced in the her forearm. right through? Yeah, it, it went right up her forearm into her into her elbow. <laughs> and you know, she's going, ow. <laughs> it's like, You're laughing. You know, Tell I, well, her to like, suck you know, it up. Yeah, I told her, hey, you know, that'll leave a scar, hon. That'll be really cool at school. <laughs> of course, if you if you tell your tell everybody your dad did it, that won't sound so good. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like, why did it hit me with a sword? Now, have you tried saber? Saber was no, always I my haven't. favorite. That's, I, I I'd love to. That's that's quite a thing. The, the saber. It's much more dramatic than uh, all the rest. I mean, it's you know, real slashing. Uh, yeah, you know, pirates stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a, it's it's uh, saber's a lot of fun. Hurts hurts more than epe. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right. Um, so uh, you know we're doing this uh, competition with our, our great sponsor uh, Blickman Engineering. Uh, Blickman Engineering is going to uh, uh, you know for everybody who purchases a uh, uh, top tier system. Uh, during uh, some months, you have to go to the Blickman Engineering uh, website, Blickman Engineering, Blickman with two N's, uh, dot com. Uh, <clears throat> there's uh, all the information on the contest, but if you if you purchase a system between now and I think it's uh, January, end, end of January, mm-hmm. uh, Blickman 
and Palmer and myself, we'll all come out to uh, your location and we'll brew with you. Well, we're throwing in an extra possibility here. If 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 that if if you'd prefer, you can opt to uh, come out to my place, and uh, you can come out and Blickman and Palmer and I will will all be there, and uh, you'll you'll brew with me on on my top tier system. And uh, we'll have a good, make a good weekend of it. And then uh, you can even come down to the studio with us and join in on uh, uh, doing some uh, Bruce Strong shows. We'll, we'll do them here in the studio. You'll be with us with uh, Palmer and myself and uh, Blickman. We'll all be in the studio, and you get to see the Rat Pad and how everything happens here. You get yeah. to check that out. So if that's uh, more attractive to you, um, that's that's the option you can choose. Weather-wise, that might be an attractive option to a lot of people in the, right. in the north. Right, right, yeah. Because even in what in January, February, March, it's you know it's uh, cool there. It's like in the fifties or forty, maybe forties and fifties, Jamil, but what? not below freezing. Oh, my place. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it'll probably be seventy and sunny. Ah, see there you, you know, go. It'll 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 be fine. Um, you know, but I don't mind going to the cold weather places. I'll, I'll go to, to yeah. Minnesota or wherever. Uh, you know, whatever time of year, that, it wouldn't stop me. That's right. So, you, can do that. you know, if you're if you're thinking about getting a top tier system, uh, go ahead and uh, you know, pull the trigger on that thing, and you'll you'll be uh, entered in uh, on on this uh, this contest. And you know. I think the odds are going to be pretty good. They sell a lot of those <laughs> yeah. systems, but you know you, you get much better odds than you would with like the lottery or something. And uh, you know you'll you'll have a great time. So if you can uh, check that out, uh, got another announcement for you. I got the uh, the iPhone app. I've been work, working with this guy uh, Noah. He's been doing the the programming on the iPhone for me, and he's taken the uh, the uh, yeast pitching rate calculator and turn that into an iPhone app. It's got all the same formulas, produces exactly the same data uh, as the, the free one online. If you want to just keep using the free one online, that's cool. But if you want to help support uh, the uh, yeast pitching rate calculator and uh, you know, send a few bucks our way, then uh, you got an iPhone, go to uh, the Apple Store. You can search for Mr. Malty or my name, Jamel Zanishev, and uh, the yeast uh, app should come up. And it's four ninety nine. I know a lot of people go, well, why isn't it free? It's like, well, because somebody else had to do all the programming and uh, all the support and all that. And, uh, you know, it's a chance for me to make a, a couple of bucks. So uh, if, if you don't want to... put a lot of good work into that. Yeah. If, and if you don't want to support it that way, that's fine. Don't, you don't, there's no requirement to buy it. All the shows are still free. Uh, you know, contribute some other way. Uh, Two-buck do- recurring donation to the Brewing Network or, you know buy a bunch of books to give away to your friends or something like that all helps out and uh, we appreciate it so uh, if you can do that uh, you know that'd be great go go pick yourself up uh, iphone version and we'll do an android version i got that uh, that is kind of in uh, alpha state right now just need to plug the formulas in and kind of test the whole thing and then um, the windows version is done i just have to package it up and for sale <laughs> i've been I've been remiss. It's been done since February, and I still haven't uh, <laughs> put it online. Anyways, uh, such as the world of uh, the beer geek, it's just way too busy. Way too busy. Yeah. All right. Uh, <clears throat> and today we're talking about session beers or low gravity brewing. Uh, you know, when we did uh, the show on high gravity brewing, 
uh, a lot of people really enjoyed that, and I actually got a couple of people respond and said, you know, I enjoyed that, but one thing I'm interested in is low gravity brewing, session beer brewing. You know, how do I go about that? How do I make a, a really great, flavorful beer with uh, very little alcohol in it? And, uh, you know, or how do I make, a, uh, take a, a bigger, you know, beer recipe and kind of dial it down to something, you know, uh, with all the same characteristics except, you know, lower alcohol. So that's what we're doing. And as a matter of fact, here in the studio, uh, Palmer, unfortunately, today is not in the studio because uh, he's sick and he's, you know, garage door problem and things like that. (laughs) So uh, he's not getting a chance to taste this. But uh, JP's here. He's getting a chance to taste this. And... uh, uh, Justin's here. He's a chance to. He hasn't tasted it yet, but there it is, right there in front of you. I, I didn't even know it was in front of me. <laughs> what kind of beer is it? It's it's kind of like an English brown, kind of old ale kind of character. Okay. Kind of like an oxidized mild, or not? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. You could that could be inferred by your description, Jamil. But uh, no, it well, doesn't it's taste like that. Old aleish. Uh, you know, kind of like old peculiar, except without the the funk, and um, you know that that or a you know kind of a, a kind of a bold English brown ale. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a fairly low alcohol beer. This is going to be you know just under four percent, around four percent. More than enough alcohol in there and character to it. Doesn't taste thin. Actually, the carbonation is pretty much non-existent now because when I filled the uh, Container to bring it here. I forgot to pressurize it. So. Uh, oops. But still, um, you know, decent drinking beer. Nothing wrong with this. I think it's a great beer. It's uh, the 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 malt that that old ale character you're talking about. That kind of raisiny, mm-hmm. uh, real treacle. Age. Yeah, right. I love that. Yeah, I love that in a good barley wine too. Mm-hmm. And this one has it without the oxidation. Right. Like Paul, like Palmer said, might be there. Mm-hmm. This has it without that, so right. I don't get any of the cardboard, mm-hmm. but all of that treacle. Right. Right. This is good. Yeah, it's a, it's a real malt malt character. A lot of lot of heavy malt character to it, uh, and and that's one of the key points of you know doing a good session beer is you know you're looking for building body, you're looking to uh, you know build a, a, a complex flavor profile, and by doing that, when you have the lower alcohol, you know that's really what makes a beer. It's you know it, it doesn't take much alcohol to make beer taste like beer. It's all those other things that you know. People when when a when a beer's lacking body or lacking other flavors, then people think, oh, you know, this beer is insipid or it's, you know, it's it's missing something. You know, oh, it's well, it's a low gravity beer. Oh, that well, that's the problem. But it doesn't need to be that way. All right. So hey, hey, Jay Z. Yeah. Just before we get into the serious business of this show. The now that you've mentioned the JP's here, yeah. the chat room made the note that it is an entire room of unemployed <laughs> <laughs> brewcasters today. There's not one person oh, in here yeah. with a job. That's right, because Palm, Palmer's down, he's he's at home. He's he's oh Palmer too. Recovering. That's right. I was just thinking the three in the room, but I well, forgot. No. Well, he's yeah, well, he's not in the room. Right. Yeah. That's what because Palmer still has a job, but he is employed. Yes. But the people in this room are completely unemployed. We're totally shiftless and. <laughs> Yeah, check us out on the on the video. You got the video running? You, I'm just you, about to get it going. You can check out three unemployed beer swilling, beer talking uh, people that, uh, yeah, really, really, uh, just generally living the dream. Living the dream, <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, while you get that ready, why don't we take a short break? And when we come back, we'll get into really what makes uh, a great session beer, the flavor, the body, all that stuff. We'll be back right after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain for a bit of keg tubing? No, you moronic waste deliver. Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer a war winning beer kits, both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-DRY-HOPS or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers. When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 19th century Burton-upon-Trent. Ah, Merry England! Something is amiss, my friends. Be on guard! Ah, these casks of white Zinfandel will stand the Queen's men in good stead in far Bangalore. Ah, hell no! Blush wine out of Britain, be worse than microwaving a kitten. Maharaja Dodgers drinking pink, be vomiting predominant on the subcontinent. Oh dear, you can't drink blush with Vindaloo. Oi, <laughs> what should I do? 
ship hogsheads of this high carbonate water. <laughs> no, sir. Please, wait. Just a moment. Well, bless me. A parcel from the future. From one northern brewer. Use this Marie Sauter, my good man. EKG at a high rate per barrel make ladies wet like Colin Farrell. Now quit Burton ruining the Burton Union and get Burton brewing. Forgettest thou not the bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento Chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping, and keep that nasty-ass bog myrtle inside your sackcloth, Brother Abelard. My stars, but this India Pale Ale is better than wine. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next needed. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of the Time Brewers. Hilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. <sighs> we're talking uh, about session beers. So a session beer, let's go, you know, go back to... Um, uh, John, why don't you define for us what a session beer is? Well, session beers are <clears throat> the lower alcohol styles, um, typically you know anywhere from three to four and a half percent. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, some example styles are uh, uh, English Mild, um, uh, was it Scottish uh, Sixty, and um, Seventy, yeah, Seventy. Yeah. Ordinary yeah. bitter, yeah. Ordinary bitter. And I was trying to think if um, if there's some German styles that would be like a, Berliner Weiss. Yeah, Berliner Weiss is a good a good example. Yeah. Yeah. So even though it's a sour, it's a low alcohol, easy drinking mm-hmm. session mm-hmm. beer. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and session meaning you know you can get together with your friends, you drink multiple pints throughout the evening, and you're not all trashed. I mean, you know, catch a little bit of a buzz, but you know you're you're not abusing your liver so bad that you're going to be dead if you do this every night. Right. So, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the great things about session beer, and just because it's a lower gravity, lower alcohol, doesn't mean it's short on flavor or, you know, character. Uh, this beer we're drinking here has plenty of character, has uh, plenty of flavor, and, uh, you know, a decent amount of body as well. Mm-hmm. And, now, uh, lawnmower beers kind of qualify as session beers also, don't they? Sure. Well, it depends on what, you know, some people think lawnmower beer, they think, you know, 6%, uh, you know, American right, would, lager, um, or, you know, 5.2, but it, if you dial it back down, I, one of the things uh, McDole does is he takes, like, his, he's he makes a, uh, a low-gravity uh, pale ale by, you know, brewing like a regular-strength pale ale, and then for golf, he'll uh, water it down with sterile, de-aerated water. And uh, you know, increase the you know he'll he'll maybe add like you know ten or twenty percent 
to drive the alcohol level down and the water level up and then carbonate up. It tastes delicious. I mean, I could, I could eat, drink that stuff uh, nonstop. And, you know, you're going out playing golf. It's hot. You're sweating a bunch. You don't want some high alcohol beer. You know, you don't want to get so drunk you fall out of the uh, golf cart. So he does that. Turns out great. Yeah. Session beers are often very, you know, flavorful, um, you know, tasty, (laughs) excuse me, tasty beers. um, But they're, they're, as you say, they're a lower alcohol Uh and one that doesn't fill you up. Uh So before the break, we were talking about kind of the key points to making a great (laughs) session beer. And one is, uh, you know, to uh, build body and others to build flavor. And, you know, people worry about the amount of alcohol, but it only takes about 2% alcohol for a beer to seem like a beer. Uh, you know, when you get up to, you know, 4%, um, you know, that's about the tops of your session beer range, 4, 4.5. Um, you know, you have enough alcohol there. That you even have alcohol character if you want. Um, you know, you can make it more alcohol esters and and, and fusels even if you want uh, at 4%. Uh, you know, not a problem at all. Uh, if you go to uh, Utah and, and drink the draft beer at the at the places there, they can bottle any strength alcohol they want um, and sell it to the government and back to them. But, uh, you know, their draft is limited to 4% ABV. They make all sorts of fantastic beers. There's no lack of alcohol in the beers. I mean, you can really enjoy the beers. You don't notice anything different. So the the, the key, I think, is really uh, developing the flavor. So one of the tricks that I use is if you want to make a lower alcohol beer and uh, let's say you're starting from scratch, one of the things you want to think about is perhaps adding a little more hop character. Uh, the uh, examples that we gave don't have much hop character. But if you're trying to make something like a lower alcohol American Pale Ale, um, one of the things you want to do is increase the you know uh, dry hop or you know late kettle additions, and that that character adds flavor and makes the beer interesting. You don't want to go over the top on you know bitterness or or hop character even to to the point where the beer becomes harsh. But adding additional hop character really kind of helps, uh, you know, convince the person that it's a big, full-flavored beer. Right, right. So, uh, you know, dry hopping is a great, a great technique and, and, and late whirlpool hops, things like that. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that will help develop a great flavor is specialty malts. Now... Uh, in a bigger beer, you need to be careful that you don't uh, overdo specialty malts to where they become cloying, the beer becomes too heavy. Uh, well, that same kind of factor helps you in working with uh, a lower-gravity beer. You can take a lower-gravity beer and uh, kind of bump up your specialty grains a little bit more than you would in a, in a higher-gravity beer. Still need to be careful you don't go over the top and just make it a, a weird beer. But Going heavy on the specialty malts adds a lot more uh, character and flavor, and and things like uh, crystal malts, all the, the the crystallized, caramelized malts, um, those will add uh, residual sweetness as well, and that residual sweetness helps the perception of having a bigger beer. Uh, you know, it's a, in a sweetness that doesn't uh, ferment out very well, so mm-hmm. it, it really adds uh, more character as well. 
And one thing I like to do is I like to add several small additions of um, several different specialty malts. Mm-hmm. Do you do you uh, do that, Jamil, when you're trying to you know develop these uh, session beers, or uh, when you talk about specialty malts, are you adding just like two uh, specialty malts to that beer? I tend as on to the, five on the smaller beers. I tend. I think that's an excellent point, John. The 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 specialty malts you tend to add um, more of them in a smaller beer, and it tends to help with the complexity, filling it out. If you go with just one specialty malt, uh, it tends to be um, a little more angular and a little more obvious that there's you know, thin points in the beer mm-hmm. uh, flavor. So you, know, you, you don't want to overdo it, but, and you don't want to make it just a muddy mess by throwing in everything. But uh, you know, in my uh, Scottish ale recipe, my Scottish uh, shilling recipe, which is based off of something Ray Daniels came up with a long time ago, uh, it has uh, you know quite a few specialty malts in it. But when you drink it, you don't really think, oh, wow, this is overdone with specialty malts. You think, oh, this has a nice malt character, plus I get a nice caramel note, plus I get a nice, you know, this note. Mm-hmm. So you go heavy on maybe some of your specialty malts and then very subtle on a couple of others that kind of fill in the background. Okay. And those tend to be more of the, uh, you know, biscuity or bready or, you know, those those types of general uh, flavors that, that kind of uh, take the place of the missing base grain. Okay. So, yeah, what you, so what I'm hearing then is uh, kick up the signature notes a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then add in some some background malts like uh, the aromatic mm-hmm. or uh, biscuit mm-hmm. victory, and to just to provide a little bit more graininess than you know that what would be missing otherwise. And, right. Okay. Well, and one thing think uh, about the style, of course. You know, the, what's the signa- the signature right. note of the style? But uh, exactly one of the things that. Uh, uh, I know McDole does when he's doing a, uh, a pale ale, a light pale ale, or something like that. He'll take you know like half his base grain and will swap out like Pilsner malt. So half will be Pilsner, some percentage will be Pilsner, and some percentage will be just regular pale malt. And that adds kind of a, a grainy background note that helps again kind of fill out the character of the beer. So, you know, you can adjust your the types of base grains you're using or, you know, try and replace some of that missing base grain character with, uh, you know, some specialty malts. Because that's, that's really, you know, one of the ways that you dial down a bigger recipe into a, a lower alcohol or a session beer is uh, mainly just to reduce your base grain. You keep all your specialty malts the same. You might change them a little bit, but... Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're reducing down your base grain. Now, the fact that you've reduced down that base grain, you need to make up for the flavor that's missing. And that's where these additional specialty malt additions come in or switching up the base grain from domestic two-row to maybe domestic two-row and domestic pale ale or maybe, you know, domestic two-row and, and a portion of, uh, you know, a, a Pilsner malt or something like that and helps kind of, you know, fill that in. Sounds good. Now, one of the other most important things in uh, you know flavor development is going to be you know your yeast selection, your fermentation, your sanitation. You know, one of the the problems people have a lot of times is they make these beers and they ferment them out as if they're still you know they make a ah. ten forty beer. They ferment it out as if it's a ten seventy beer. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the results are, you know, seems kind of like, well, it's like a very thin version of, you know, what I brewed before. Well, yeah, because you pretty much brewed the same thing just as a thinner version. <laughs> so instead of doing that, you might try changing up your yeast. Instead of using, um, you know, if you're using 007, you're, you know, you've been following the Can You Brew It shows and you're using 007 to make something similar to a, a stone beer and you want to make a lower version, a lower alcohol version of that, well, you know, instead of using 007, you switch to maybe 002. Uh, you know, it doesn't attenuate quite as much, uh, but it's got the same, a very similar flavor profile, and, you know, that would be one change you make. Maybe you ferment at different temperatures. Maybe you adjust your pitching rate. Maybe you adjust the amount of oxygen you, you, that you're including. All those things, you know, really determine, you know, the kind of the final outcome of that beer and how it's going to taste uh, overall. So, you know, fermentation is very important in that. And so is, is and yeast selection is, is important as well. Sanitation, of course, you know, we're, we're all aware of how important sanitation is. I think it's even more critical in these lower gravity beers because, you know, there tends not to be a lot to mask the flavors of of contamination and there isn't a lot of alcohol to kind of suppress the activity of bacteria uh there usually isn't enough uh, you know a lot of hot bitterness to uh help counter uh you know bacteria as well so you know sanitation becomes you know almost doubly important because of because of uh you know the fact you're working with a a lower gravity beer all right and uh the other thing, uh, the other key point we were talking about, building flavor, and the other key point being building body, and body giving you, uh, you know, a, a fuller impression of the beer. Seems like you know everything's there versus, uh, you know, thin and insipid, right? Right. Couple of important things. One is. Um, uh, you know, limit your simple sugars. If you have a recipe, one of the easiest ways to reduce down a bigger recipe to a smaller one is, you know, eliminate simple sugars. If your recipe has, you know, a couple of pounds or a kilo or something of uh, simple sugar, you, know, you can eliminate that and, uh, you know, go with a lower mash temperature uh, and get a result that is nice and full of the base malt flavors, but still seems, you know, dry enough. That'd be one, one key thing. A lot of traditional, um, British recipes for the bitters and things like that. A, a lot of those that are brewed today, they include, uh, simple sugars. And, you know, if that's what you're going for, great. Uh, I tend to eliminate that because I want a fuller malt flavor. So simple sugars, you want to watch for that. Uh, mash temp. If you're taking a bigger beer that uh, has, and you want to make a smaller version of it, and let's say your bigger beer was mashed at 152 and it was a 1080 beer or something like that, that's going to have a pretty thick and full uh, mouthfeel to it. And one of the things you want to do is raise your mash temperature uh, on the lower gravity version. You can, you can go up to you know 160 Fahrenheit and uh, you know. No problem, and the and the beer should turn out, uh, you know, with a, a nice uh, dexterous feel to it. Mm-hmm. Keep some of the keep some of the uh, heavier sugars, a little bit more bu- mouthfeel, a little bit more body to it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's a that's a good way to get that character. 
Well, and you can also uh, add uh, some of the the grains that tend to seem to add more body to a beer, such as uh, you know oats or uh, uh, you know what else should you add, John, to to your mash? That uh... <clears throat> well, you could have some carapils, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little bit of dextrin type malt. The mm-hmm. um, yeah, the oats. Um, that's another good one. I like to add. When I do a session beer, I often like to add uh, malted wheat mm-hmm. uh, to the to the um, beer because it has it has a slightly different flavor than the barley, and it and again as we were saying you know, earlier, helps to you know fill in some of the background notes that you're right. kind of wondering you know uh, experiencing. Um, another good one for adding body: mm. some uh, unmalted barley. Mm-hmm. Not uh, not not roasted barley, but just unmalted barley, like or flaked barley. Mm-hmm. That'll certainly add a lot of mouth mouth character to right. mouthfeel. You can add maltodextrin powder if you wanted. Yeah, that's like an that. easy way to get it. Yeah. yeah, and you know, similar to flavor, you need to worry about uh, your fermentation, fermentation temperatures, uh, the yeast that you use, things like that. They all affect body as well. Yeah. Now you mentioned the, the going from double O seven to double O two. Why don't you translate those for you know, quickly for anyone that doesn't real recognize uh, which yeast those are? Well, O seven is like the dry English ale yeast, I think, from White Labs, and O two is just the regular English ale yeast. Okay. And the flavor so profiles are very similar. Uh, you know, and, and especially in, in British beers, there's a lot of yeast that have a lower attenuation. And it's kind of nice because you can pick, you know, any of those. And they have different flavor profiles, but uh, you can pick one that attenuates lower or accentuates the maltiness or something like that. And that, that really helps. Uh, this beer I'm doing here, it had, uh, we used, I used the uh, yeast from uh, the um, uh, Black Sheep uh, Rigwelter show. And uh, on Kenya brew it, and you know it's a great yeast. It really leaves a lot of uh, a lot of body and flavor uh, behind the beer. You know, same thing goes for specialty grains. Specialty grains, will, like uh, John was saying, carapils, things like that, will help build body as well. And uh, sanitation, again, you know, really important. It, the the thinner beers tend to be once you know one of the the signals when you're judging beer is uh, you taste a beer that seems thin you start to think oh I wonder if this is you know, over attenuated because of uh, you know wild yeast or bacteria or something like that it tends to work those those uh, longer chain sugars and tends to really thin out the beer uh, you know eats away at the at the body of the beer and that can be an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I discovered uh, early on was uh, the importance of uh, giving enough conditioning time. When I first made my very first 60-shilling uh, uh, beer, uh, I up, just did everything like normal, put it in a keg, and then after a week I, I tried it, and it came out really super thin in these giant bubbles the size of you know grapes that you know, it had no body, no head. And I taste it. I'm like, oh, this is horrible. This is just what a waste. No, no wonder nobody brews this beer. This sucks. And for some reason, I left it there because it was kind of tucked away in the back of the fridge. And I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. And I just left it. About a year later, I came back. I'm like, what is this keg back in here? I'm like, I ran some beer out, and 
it was great. It was it was uh, had a great uh, tight little fine bubble and a creamy head and had quite a bit more body to it. It's like the body had increased over time. And part of it is it's carbonation. And, you know, if you over-carbonate a beer, for one, it tends to go from creamy and rich to all of a sudden sharp and thinner. There's yeah. a point where carbonation, not, not having enough carbonation makes a beer seem thinner. Having too much carbonation makes a beer seem thinner. So it's kind of a, a middle range there. And one of the other factors, I think, is... These fine little, if, especially if you use something like a roast barley, it tends to fracture in the mill and produce kind of a dust. And those microfine particles and other things from the brewing process, that if they're suspended in the beer, yeah. they tend to act as nucleation sites for CO2. The CO2 comes out real quick and easy, and it makes just, you know, for see, the beer seem really thin and, and, uh, and weak. Right. Letting all those settle out over time really helps the beer develop. It's a huge difference. And that beer went from something I was ready to pour out to I entered it and got gold, you know, no problem. And that taught me a lot about patience and and trying uh trying to 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 let your beers, you know, have a chance to condition properly. And and I think that's an important thing for uh uh you know, session beers in general. You know, having right. that having that time for, for letting them settle uh, really tends to improve them. All right, so one more thing I wanted to cover, which was um, uh, dialing down a bigger beer into a smaller beer. That's one of the things people requested was, ha- you know, what are the steps to do that and what are some tips and tricks. So let's take a short break, and when we come back, we will uh, get into uh, uh, converting a, a big recipe down into a, a session beer. Back after this. Hi, I'm John from Grain and Grape in Melbourne, Australia. We've been supplying home brewers with equipment, ingredients and advice for over 20 years. We carry a great range of grain, hops, wires, liquid cultures and all the gear you need to make great beer from the most basic setup to a fully automated home system. We're all keen brewers, so drop in on one of our twice-monthly all-grain brewing demos and have a chat with Chris, Dan, Paul, Nick or Sam. We'll talk about brewing and recipes and systems and techniques all day. If you're squeezed for time or just dabbling in all-grain, try our range of artisanal fresh work kits brewed at Melbourne's very own Mountain Goat Brewery. We're very proud to be a major sponsor of the Australian National Home Brewing Conference. This year we've got Randy Mosher and Gordon Strong heading here for three big days in October. Mention the Brewing Network when you're ordering online or over the phone to receive freight free on your next order under 15 kilos. Check out our website grainandgrape.com.au for conditions and we'll see you at the conference. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones 
fields are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedeshev and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard. And polish your style accuracy with DeVille. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. My name is Owen Schultz, and I'm president of More Beer. This month, More Beer wants you to meet the man behind the brand. I founded More Beer 15 years ago. Olin started brewing before the release of both Windows 3.1 and Bill Clinton. I've been homebrewing for 18 years. What makes starting the biggest brand in homebrewing great? My favorite thing about working at More Beer is the great energy of the staff. Everyone loves to talk about beer. Olin has put some of his favorite items on sale this month just for you. My favorite things to brew with right now at More Beer are the new breathable silicone carboy hood. An easy way to seal your carboy without a lot of head pressure on your yeast. My multi-brown ale kit, our stainless steel quick disconnects, our line of heavy-duty kettles, and of course the B3500 brew sculpture. The best gravity-fed brew sculpture with a footprint of just 2 by 3 feet. It can fit almost anywhere. Don't miss Olin's favorites this month only and only at More Beer. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're talking about uh, making session beers and, uh, you know, how you uh, make a beer with lower alcohol that still has a lot of flavor and body and is a great beer to drink. And uh, uh, before the break, we're talking about, you know, how would you take a, a, a bigger beer recipe and make that into a smaller beer? That's one of the things that uh, uh, McDowell 
did with uh, he took his uh, Pliny the Elder clone and kind of dialed that down into Pliny Light, which was uh, you know lower alcohol. First, he started by just adding water and checking that out, and then he decided that what he would do is you know same hop profile, but he would um, you know forego the simpler sugar and he would uh, split the base malt, I believe, between he'd add the. Uh, you know, about uh, 30, 40% Pilsner malt in place of the two-row. And that added a, a, a nice grainy background that helps fill out the malt flavor. And even though it's a lower alcohol beer, it still have all that hop character. And then, uh, and then you know, that, that gives it a sense that it's, it's not a, a thin, small beer. Right. It's an excellent pale ale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely one of my favorites. So you know when you're when you're dialing down a, a bigger beer, uh, you're just not lowering everything. It's not taking that recipe and just ratcheting it down in your in your beer smith or, or whatever software you're using, and ratcheting it down to uh, a smaller beer. It is uh, you know f- first off you want to if you're going to make an adjustment, a lot of times if there's simple sugar in there again you you remove that. If there is uh, a uh, otherwise, you know, you're you're dialing down your your base malt, right? So if you've got uh, um, oh gosh, um, you know, ten pounds of uh, uh, two row, sure. then you know maybe you're you're taking that down and you leave all your specialty malts the same. Again, the, the the trick that McDole uses, maybe swap out some of that base malt with a more flavorful, more characterful, you know, mm-hmm. base malt. One of the things you can do, um, you know, the specialty malts, uh, Munich is a great uh, addition. You know, a little bit of Munich or Vienna, uh, those add uh, a, a kind of a full malt character. Uh, a British pale ale malt, that's a good one to, you know, emphasize as well. Uh, if you're already with a recipe that's all... Uh, British Pale Ale malt, or all you know, or mainly Munich, or something like that, and you're trying to dial that down. That gets a little trickier. You're going to have to replace that missing malt character with some specialty malts. Uh, you know, maybe you're going to use some uh, melanoid malt uh, mm-hmm. if you're mainly Munich and you're dialing down the Munich, trying to make a small Doppelbach or something. I don't know. I don't know why you would, but uh, you know, you're going to have to add some. Yeah, uh, scale it down, you know, diversify it a little bit. Right, um, that's a good. Way like to put as it. you're saying, yeah, the melanoidin, um, adding some, maybe a little more, uh, some biscuit or um, something, some little grain edge to it, mm-hmm. as well to, mm-hmm. as well as the uh, the higher melanoidin character, and uh, that'll keep that'll keep the full spectrum of the Munich, but you can take it down without uh, losing the 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 full profile that you had before mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well and how about mash temperatures john what would you do on mash temperatures? what's a, a good rule of thumb uh for one recipe to another going from a, a bigger down to a smaller oh well you know as i think the place to start is where you're saying that uh, when you're brewing a large beer you know you're brewing a uh a seven percent alcohol or six percent alcohol beer um you're brewing at a lower mash temperature uh to uh, get the attenuation to get the you know to get the fermentability of that wort, so it's not cloying. So you you can um, get the full expression of the flavors, all the different malts you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you when you want to scale this back 
to from a 6% down to a 4%, then uh, you should increase your mash temperature a few degrees. Um, say if you're going from 152, kick it up to 156, mm-hmm. uh, 158. Mm-hmm. And that will add some dextrins back. It will keep the final gravity of the beer uh, you know, close. Um, so you know, with a 6% beer, you're probably going from uh, 1065 down to uh, 1010. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're going to go, if you're going to scale, work that from like a 1045, you want that, you, you're going to try to get that same uh, 1010 finishing gravity. Right. But if you had kept, if you had, if you had scaled all the malts exactly the same, you would have a a sweeter, heavier tasting beer because um, it you know it wouldn't it wouldn't ferment out the same way. Mm-hmm. So you want to mash a little higher temperature and get that um, get those uh, the fermentability up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, to retain some of the body and so on that you that you had before. Right. This this same sensation of body, the perceived mm-hmm. body, the perceived character. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's your goal, is to really end up with the same uh, character at the end, minus some of the alcohol. And, you know, getting the same uh, finishing gravity, getting the same, uh, you know, ester profile, getting the same uh, malt background, all of that uh, really plays towards... Uh, you know, developing that impression that it's the same beer at the end, and it it can be done, and it and it turns out great, and you can you can make a a beer that you can have on. Uh, somebody wanted to know what's the session beer that I have on uh, at all times. Well, it changes. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll brew a mild or an ordinary bitter, or um, I'll do um, I do a small brown ale. Uh, that turns out really well, or maybe you know something light and hoppy that has a kind of a you know like a small uh, American Pale Ale. Those tend to be the ones that I do for uh, for session beers. Uh, how about you, John? What what kind of session beers you do? Uh, I, I like um, a light lager, mm-hmm. and um, you know it, as we were talking about earlier, when when I do a light lager. I uh, kick up the flavor and aroma hops, the late hops. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, I've got you know a three and a half percent alcohol beer that has a lot of hop bouquet to it, and a lot of you know that gives me all the aromas. I you know tip the glass back, put my nose over it. I'm getting I'm getting like a a big beer aroma out of that glass, mm-hmm. um, but with a much lighter 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 body and, and uh, less less filling beer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess uh, pale ales. Um, I, I will also do uh, lighter versions, but uh, the, I guess the, the uh, lawnmower or the uh, uh, pale lo- or light lagers. Uh, tip, my typical session beer. Mm-hmm. Yep, well, that's a that's a, a good one as well. And again, you know, we were talking earlier about adding a little more hop character. Uh, really helps enhance kind of the perception, the beeriness of a of a beer. Yeah. So it's a, a good tip as well. Well, let's uh, take our final break, and then we'll wrap up, uh, see if we got any questions in the chat room, things like that. And uh, that'll be it for this show. So uh, back after a short one. 
The cutting-edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Uh... White Labs. It's all in the vial. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. Seven Bridges has the best selection of organic ingredients, including over 27 varieties of organic hops at breworganic.com. Join their mailing list for special deals and regular updates. They've been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for 13 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. And Seven Bridges is the proud host of the fourth annual National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including stainless steel brew kettles and organic brewing ingredients. This year, the challenge will be judged in two locations, on the East Coast at Capital City Brewing in Arlington, Virginia, and on the West Coast at Gordon Biersch in San Jose, California. For complete details, visit breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to great beer and people-friendly business practices. They offer environmentally friendly, fair trade, and fair wage brewing products whenever possible. Seven Bridges, breworganic.com. 
Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Members Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Google Network. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Wrapping up our uh, session beers show. I wish I was having some of your session beer right now. Sounds good. Well, and the funny thing is that this is a beer for our next show, which is about making great Uh kit beer. Or, you know, how do you make great beer in less than an hour? Mm. And this is a beer I have about 45 minutes invested into. I actually (laughs) boiled some water, got out the can opener, opened a can of pre-hopped malt extract, uh, a Morgan's uh, beer kit. Poured it into the uh, into the fermenter with the water. Shook it up. I, I added a couple of bags of DME. I pitched my yeast. I controlled the fermentation temperature. And it turned out quite a decent beer. Everybody's consumed this. Everyone's like, yeah, this is a good beer. I, I like this. This is good. I can drink it. Yeah. Uh, I even had uh, Dave Sapsis come by my house the other day. He tried it. He's like, yeah, it's a good beer. I like it. I can drink a lot of this. I'm like, do you notice anything wrong with it? Nope. I don't That's think anybody really indeed. notices anything wrong with it. It's like, yeah, there's, it's, uh, I ask people, you know, do you, do you, do you think anything? Nobody says, seems like an extract beer. No, it doesn't. It seems like a, you know, a, a decent, uh, uh, well-made, uh, you know, yeah, all-grain beer. The first thing I commented on was the malt profile. Right. Nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it's pretty impressive. I'm just blown away at how, how well that turns out. So, uh, you know, it's just a great way to, to, to make a system. So if you want to learn how to do this and, and, and do it right and make make a quite a nice beer, five gallons of a quite a nice beer in less than an hour, uh, we'll be doing that on the next show. All right. Uh, during these shows, we do them live, and you have a chance to participate. There's a chat room where you can uh, just uh, go on to thebrewingnetwork.com. There's a chat now button. Jump in there. You don't need to password or anything. Just uh, enter in whatever screen name you want, and you can uh, join in, chat with the other folks in there that are listening or ask questions. And uh, the third show today, we're going to be doing a live Q&A. You can do that in the chat room as well, or even uh, you can even call in at uh, 888-401-BEER. Uh, we, we won't bother screening them during the live Q&A. We'll just go for it, huh? We will. Yeah. Balls to the wall. <clears throat> All right. Uh, what's our first question? Okay, uh, Bike Foolery in the chat room wanted to know about using uh, maltodextrin to boost body. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm sure you mentioned it. He probably needs some clarification. Okay. So there's a maltodextrin powder, which is essentially uh, malt dextrins, the long-chain sugars that you get from mashing. And you can just get this powder, throw it in your boil kettle uh, near the end of the boil is when I would use it. Uh, about four ounces for uh, by weight for a uh, five-gallon batch, wouldn't you say, John? Yeah, yeah. Four ounces is good. Right. You don't want yeah, to go wouldn't, wouldn't go over crazy. a half pound uh, anyway. Right. You can add um, uh, milk sugar as well, uh, lactose, uh, like they do in a milk stout. That tends to add a creaminess and a sweetness. Hmm. That's yeah. actually slightly sweet. The maltodextrin powder is almost tasteless. Yeah, yeah. It really just adds a, a fullness. So it's a uh, real, real flavor neutral. Okay, and the same person had a, had another question that came through. He wanted to know about scaling down a beer like Jamil's Belgian Dark Strong to mm-hmm. something like a five or five to seven percent instead mm-hmm. of a ten percent. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess he actually tried it, um, but ended up with a beer that was too thin and had zero head retention. So I wanted to know what you thought about scaling something like that down. All right. See now. <sighs> You you can certainly do this and have success. The things that you'd want to change, you know, remove the simple sugar, uh, and uh, you know, and if that's not enough, remove start removing the base malt, and then um, even then, at five to seven percent, you should have plenty of uh, you know dextrins, residual sugars. There's so many specialty malts in that beer mm. uh, that you should be just fine. I would up the mash temperature a couple of degrees. So those are the changes I would make to, to get it down into that range. The, you know, if it's turning out thin and watery, either, you know, your numbers are way, way off, or more likely it's a fermentation issue. It might be sanitation, it might be fermentation. And that's the thing to really focus on. Um, you know, otherwise it shouldn't turn out, uh, shouldn't out too th- turn out too thin. Okay. All right, uh, Corosis, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but Corosis in the forum um, says, if I'm adding in Munich to make up for malt character in scaling back a big beer, mm-hmm. do I want dark or light Munich? Could it be cirrhosis? No, it's no I, it's C-O-R. Oh. That's what I thought, first thing I thought, but then, <laughs> yeah, C-O-R-O-S-I-S. So what was the question? I'm, st- I'm stuck, <laughs> on stuck on it, stuck on his name. Well, I thought... I, use I got, dark or light Munich. Yeah, uh, scaling back, mm. uh, use dark or light, you know, adding Munich to, to help build malt. Right, darker light does it matter? Uh, you know, it, it depends on what kind of recipe it is. If it was a you know like a pale ale or something like that that has generally light malt character to it, light I would Munich. use a light Munich. Okay, but like John was saying earlier, sometimes it can be beneficial to split it up amongst things. If you're doing something more like a like a doppelbach or something like that, or a, you know a, a malty lager or something along those lines, something that has a real bready character to it. Yeah, you might use some some of the darker Munich as well, you know, kind of split it up. Okay. And his follow-up question to that was, if I can only get light Munich at my local homebrew shop, they said to toast it in the oven to get it darker. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Work, works fine? Yeah, should okay. work. Any yeah. uh, techniques, like a, the amount of time, or you just got to watch it? Yeah, watch it and taste it. Um, okay. Yeah, 325 for, you know, 20 minutes, and, and just use your nose, use your eyes. Right. Okay. Now, when it starts, when you start noticing like a toasty aroma in the air, <laughs> you, you got to be real, real on top of it. Okay. It, it'll it, burn quick, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, you can uh, spray it down a little bit, add a little moisture to it initially. 
Okay. That, that'll help. All right. Keep it from more, you know, burning. And then my stupid question, that, that's pre-crushed, right? You, you wouldn't right. toast it crushed. Right. Okay. Right. All right. I guess you could do it to toast it crushed, but I would think, um, I don't know, I'd, I'd, I'd use a much shorter time, I think. Yeah. Everything yeah. just seems so... Yeah, open, usually you obviously. do your toasting in, in before crushing. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that was just my question anyway. All right. Uh, Phil Brazil, our uh, Brazilian listener, the one guy, um, mashing question, asking about your temperatures. Is going uh, 156 to 158 okay? Is there no time frame for those temperatures? If I keep it there for 30 minutes or 100 minutes, would the results be the same? Well, you tend to get um, more conversion the longer you go. Um, you know, as far as you can actually get a little more efficiency by longer. If you go too short, you tend to screw your efficiency for one. And uh, conversion tends not to be so complete. Um, but, you know, if you're, let's say you're going from 149 to 160. Conversion is going to happen so much faster at 160. Or let's say you're doing the reverse. If you're going from a higher temperature down to a lower one, you should let it the mash rest longer. Um, just because it tends to take longer the colder it is. Okay. But, you know, 156, 158, it doesn't even matter. Okay. I mean, you can do that on any beer and Go probably not really not notice the difference unless you're doing side-by-side. Okay. Wouldn't you say, John? Yeah, yeah. Just use your hour rule of thumb and no worries. Yep. All right, perfect. And the last one was uh, more of a comment I thought you might want to uh, talk about, too. The Todd in the chat room said that some very low-gravity beers can be tricky with extract. He says, I did a mild with extract that fermented out to brown water. Mm-hmm. I switched it to all grain, and it took a silver metal. See, and again, you know, it, it depends on the extract. Now, if you have an extract yeah. that attenuates out like crazy, you're going to need to steep some specialty molds to add more body and all that. You know, ideally, you want to find an extract that won't attenuate out that much. But it is possible to make a lower-gravity beer and have it turn out really well. The, the extract that they're producing, they're producing a fine beer and then concentrating it down. That in and of itself should not make a bad beer. You know, the, the problem is people start out with, you know, brewing with simple extracts, and they don't have a lot of experience on sanitation, fermentation, things like that. And they, that's where the problem tends to be. It's not with necessarily the extract. It's with, uh, you know, the brewer. And when, when those brewers, you know, they're passionate about it, they want to make great beer, they're thinking, everyone's telling them, well, you got to go all grain. So they go all grain, but at the same time, they're making starters, they're watching the sanitation better, they're getting better at everything. And all those other things lend to making a better beer. So... I wouldn't say it's impossible. Uh, it could be tricky, of course, but you know we're drinking here. Uh, you know, a, a fairly low uh, gravity. It's a session beer. We all enjoyed it. We thought it was great. No, no problems. And that's from a can of pre-hopped extract that you just mix with water and ferment. Yeah, uh, it turned out great. So uh, I think it's possible. It just depends on on all that other stuff. Okay, and you know we've talked about that on the show in terms of extract before. That uh, a shop that goes through a bunch of it mm-hmm. is it's going right. to be fresher, right? At least, and then knowing who their supplier is, you know, do some research. Well, and I've got a, a second uh, kit extract beer for us to taste during the next show. Okay, to show kind of the difference between old extract and fresh extract. So Great. If we t- drank pretty much the entire bottle of fresh extract beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure we'll be looking for other beers when we when we crack open the the bad extract beer. But you know, even if you don't think you're interested in doing kid beers, listen to the next show anyways, and and there'll be stuff you can learn from this. I, yeah, there's stuff I learned. I, I was surprised. I knew that it would turn out okay. I wasn't I was surprised at how well it turned out. Okay. Yeah, it was really uh, a very uh, very dramatic difference. All right. All right. That's it from the chat. Cool. Well, and I know a great place to uh, get uh, these kits, nice and fresh. You get them at uh, Grain and Grape in Melbourne. I, they got a, the big wall of uh, fresh fresh kits, and then they can take you from from, from the kits to uh, all grain and everything in between. So, one of our sponsors, good guys there. They've been doing yeah. the business for twenty years, and uh, uh, they are they are uh, uh, fun people. So, give them an email and tell them uh, how much you appreciate them supporting the show as well as uh, our good buddy John Blickman. He's gonna he's gonna be at somebody's house brewing on the top tier. So uh, get yourself a top tier system if you're if you're on the fence whether to buy one or not. Now's the time to get it and uh, get in on that special prize. It's gonna be uh, a real fun fun thing to do. Yeah, put up with us for a whole day. <laughs> exactly. Well, a couple of days. If you do it out here, you're gonna come and, and sit with us in the studio and do a brew strong with us. So. Nice. That'd be that's, cool. That's going to be even more fun, and then you get to see like JP and Justin and Chad and everybody. Be be a blast. So our next uh, next show up is uh, uh, brewing great uh, beer in under an hour. And uh, don't forget our sponsor Blickman. And uh, also keep keep in mind these uh, sage words of advice. Do it to me one more time. Once is never enough with a man like you. Bruce Strong. <laughs> Bruce Strong, everybody. <laughs>